I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Gabby Rosen Podcast. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Rosen Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. Jim Broadbent is a true gent. What an actor and what a career. I can't begin to tell you what a thrill it was for me to sit face to face with this talented, charming man and have the opportunity to talk about his life. He speaks so fondly about his childhood and his caring parents. We discuss his excellent new movie, The Duke, which in my very humble opinion is one of the greatest British films of all time. He really is a very special man and I so hope you enjoy listening. Please, can I ask you a favour? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. I was watching, of all the things, and we're going to talk about so much, Jim, but talking about Brian on the Magic Roundabout. I don't know why, when you suddenly said hello, I thought, oh, that was a moment yesterday, listening to you being Brian. Oh, really? Yeah, well, that's, that's not often mentioned. What, <laughs> uh, that and the trumpet in Teletubbies? Uh, yeah, all oh, right. Well, yes, it's, uh, it, it's all age-related, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was... You know what it was? It was nostalgia from my childhood watching The Magic Roundabout because it was one of those yeah. shows that we, we'd say goodnight and yeah. we'd go upstairs. Yeah. It used to come out just before the news, I think. Um, maybe my father used to watch The Magic Roundabout and he just got a telly, I think. And it, was a, it was a while ago. It was a while ago when it first came I think it was black and white when it first came out, but you've revoiced it. But actually... Um, if I may, I'd love to talk about your parents because they sound uh, uh, incredible. So they were both sculptors, artists, and yeah. amateur dramatic. Yeah, a bit of bit of all of that. My father he trained in architecture and uh, in London. In, uh, and then just prior to the war, my mother at the same time they met at Leeds Art School. And then they both came to London. My mother went to the Royal Academy schools to do sculpture. And my father went to the Courtauld and the Architectural Institute didn't finish either course. And then the war came and uh, because of their uh, pacifist feelings and uh, 
I think they decided to go into agriculture in Lincolnshire um, and, and to help the war effort as pacifists. And my father, with a bit of private income, and along with another man who also had a young man who had a bit of private income, they rented this farm in Lincolnshire and set it up as an educational, agricultural education or community for other pacifists who wanted to um, find what they could do to help the war effort without going to the war. How wonderful. What a way to be brought up with people. It must. Was it a very, I'm sorry for sounding trite, but was it a very peaceful, loving... Well, it child? was really. I mean, because it, so an awful lot of um, young people went to this community and did their training and uh, a number of them stayed and so that was the and then I was wasn't born till you know 1949 so but that was the, the group of families that I grew up with really were all gone to Lincolnshire um, in pursuit of this education in agriculture and but they were sort of vaguely or pretty much liberal left-wing um, artistic um, group of agricultural and uh, artistic people, really. So where did the amateur dramatics come into that? Well, part of uh, a number of the uh, c members of the community um, were very keen on drama, including my father, and probably he was might have been the prime mover on this. And so they wanted to set up... Um, an amateur dramatic company, and which put on several plays a year in an old RAF building, and um, became the, the Holton Players. But they did th things like Chekhov and Ibsen and Shaw. And Isn't I, that what you started doing? Didn't you start yeah. with Ibsen? Well, I did. I did. I did. I was a child in um, the Doll's House, and but um, I didn't do any other theatre for. 20 years, really. <laughs> what a way from, to start. Though. I mean, if you're going to start, start <laughs> yeah. there with Ibsen. Yeah, yeah, started with Ibsen. <laughs> but I, I just did a lot of sort of comedy sketches at school but didn't really do any plays until till after. So then, so but I presume your parents were very supportive of your choice of going off to Lambda. Yeah, yeah. They, they, in fact, my father suggested it. I went to art school first for a year. And then, but I... I, I all my free time, I spent going to the cinema. You know, that was, interested me far more than art and going to galleries and, and pursuing that. So, I, and I re, and it was always going to be one or the other, art or acting. So, in the end, I did a year at art school. Then I thought, no, if I'm honest, it's acting I really want to do. So, but you said it was your dad. Who yeah, my, my dad said, yeah, we were while I was at art school. He came down to London and we were having a meal and we sat next to two quite loud um, young people who it became clear that they were art, uh, drama students and that uh, we were sort of listening to them for a while. And then my father said, why don't you go to drama school? So it was actually his suggestion. So, How wonderful. And I, and I said, well, I was, I was thinking that. I was, I was thinking that. So it all just timed in. So, yes... Far from the usual. Uh, no, not on uh, over my dead body. No, go and get a proper <laughs> job. That wasn't the case at all. Uh, it was actually suggestion. It's very interesting though, when because a lot of a lot of um, uh, actors when they go off to to train, there's this been this this pull for years and years and years. But it for you, it was that wonderful. I, I have that sort of uh, that wide-eyed innocent thing of going to the cinema and thinking. 
this is what I love. Mm. That's where it came from then. Just yeah, and, and but also at school doing, we, we did a lot of sort of review type things and wrote our own sketches and things. So, and I was always the joker in the class, you know, and so came out of that as well. But I used to, we went to the theatre an awful lot as a, as a family and, and the, the local rep in Lincoln, we used to go a lot and see all the, as a very regular company right through year after year, it seemed. And I loved going and seeing all the the different plays, sometimes very unsuitable ones because I couldn't get a babysitter, so they took took, <laughs> took us as took us as well. But you know, Brendan Bean and you know, sort of strange pieces and Tennessee Williams things I didn't understand at all. But I loved seeing the actors coming back every week in transformed into some other character and that, and that and that is what intrigued me you know like one week he'd be the jubilee and the next week he'd be a, a sort of stuttering policeman or you know, sort of it was a i think it was the character acting aspect that really fascinated me about the old rep theater system you know. it's a shame that's not there anymore yeah yeah i mean it was i don't know what the actual i can't remember what the actual quality of the work was but <laughs> But, but it, to you, know, you, it was wonderful. Uh, yeah, it was absolutely. And then I got into fringe theatre, which is, I mean, for you know the seventies, eighties, the fringe theatre and the rep system both worked together and and influenced each other and supported each other. So, uh, that, but even that's gone now, and, and not to the same extent at all. But there are so many li- wonderful little venues and little theatres, and I think the past two years. In lockdown, everything I, it, do, it does worry me that because it's so such an important part of a community, mm. and that they don't get the funding, and that some so many of them are turning into I don't know wine bars or whatever. Yeah. I just think it's a shame because bringing theatre into the heart of a small community is. I mean, you just when you talk about it, your eyes are lighting up, and you remember it as a child. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's 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 a very different world. Young actors or young people who want to become actors say, "Oh, how do I do it? I haven't a clue now." No, the, the, the system has changed. It's a different route. Yeah, a lot of people just want to be famous these days. Which it is, is it's true. Yeah. Strange old thing. Um, uh, so let, we, we have to talk, obviously, uh, about the Duke. Um, I'm going to embarrass you. So there we go. There's the warning. Embarrassing thing have, uh, coming. I think that the Duke is up there in the great, in the top five British films ever. Really? My husband and I watched it twice. So we were spent, sent a special link. We watched it and then we watched it again the next night to show our 15-year-old daughter. And we both have not stopped talking about it. We love, love that film. Oh, brilliant. That's not embarrassing. No. It would oh, be well, embarrassing if you didn't like it. Oh, I oh, see. If you hated, hated it. <laughs> no, we got you here. Now, let me just tell you, Jim. Uh, no, it's just, it's got everything it's it's beautiful it's poignant it's passionate you love him so much when you're watching it and you're cheering him on and and because it's a real story I then went and did all the reading about it as well but so um okay so some people may not have seen it actually it should be a law that everyone sees it that's how I feel about this film you have to see it so for people who don't know, this is a true story. It happened in 1961, didn't it? Yes, in 1961, the, the nation bought 
Goya's portrait of the Duke of Wellington for £140,000, which is the highest they'd ever paid for a uh, painting. And it was put uh, shown in the National Gallery, um, big event, and, uh, and Kempton Bunton took exception to the fact that the government had spent £140,000 on this painting. And he was a, he was a sort of bit of a chancer, um, had numerous jobs in, in Newcastle, a working-class chap, but he was passionate about various causes, um, one of which was that uh, old-age pensioners should have free TV licences. And that was, and he had made this a cause for some time. And then, when the uh, painting was displayed and it was uh, they announced that it cost one hundred and forty thousand pounds, he took exception to this and uh, thought that this was iniquitous. And then the, the painting was stolen, and uh, big headlines everywhere. And um, and Kempton. Uh, wrote letters to the newspapers in the old way of cutting. No, no, he didn't cut out the letters from newspapers. He he actually tried to disguise his handwriting and said he'd give it back if uh, the um, nation gave free TV licences to war widows and old-age pensioners. And so it went on, and he wrote a lot of letters, and there was, and it was his letters were published in the Daily Mirror, and and finally he uh, it was... The story was going to come out, so he gave it back, and he went on trial. And and the the trial is just I mean everything about it is is beautiful, and there's incredible touches. I mean I I actually felt that because the way it's been intercut with real footage as well, and you feel that you're there in those times. But the the trial is just one. I mean we were sitting there cheering and clapping and. That films don't often do that to you. I, I, I love the film too, and it's not not always the case. That <laughs> I, I, I love my own uh, work, or but it was uh, the writing was so so deft, so subtle. I mean, turning on from drama and family drama to this courtroom drama, and every aspect of it is beautifully written and then we had the, the, just the most wonderful director and Roger Michel who sadly died oh, I'm so sorry about which that. is just dreadful but one of Roger's great things was casting he was and every single character I love watching the film to see all these other actors who they come in for a day or two but just impeccably cast and impeccable I mean the the, the People who come round the the TV licensed detector van people. I mean, just just exquisite bits of acting right across the board. And Roger was responsible for that. Apart from everything else, Roger was a, a superb, wonderful director. And I'm so we sorry. Ha- we had a, we had such a great time. I, I'm so I, I interviewed him a couple of times actually over the years. And he, what a gentleman! Yeah, he was so lovely. I'm so sorry. I mean, he died. Far, far too young. It was only last year, um, and I wish, I hope that he he's up there watching now as people applaud this magnificent yeah. film. Brilliant. Well, thank you. I really do. I really do. So, the, playing real people, and and you've, and I know everybody always says this to you, but you 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 know you've made a career of a lot of 
real people that existed, not just uh, um, fictional characters. Is is that more fun? Is it more interesting to do? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you do. I mean, real people are so complicated and so interesting, <laughs> yeah. so so contradictory. I mean, very often in, in the fictional characters, they're there to play one aspect of a character or 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 a couple. I mean, you know, yeah. but real people are so so extraordinarily interesting, and it and it's a real and it's, depending if there's. If they're you know, sort of twentieth century, and you've got you know, recordings of their voice and film of them moving around, that's a, a real help for the actors. So, do you do that? Do you do? You, how do you do it? Do you think, okay, I'm acting as that person, or I'm going to get under the skin and do their voice? And well, a bit of um, for something like Lord Longford and 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 John Bailey with, with in Iris, mm. Iris Murdoch's husband, I play, where there's um, voice. Recordings and to listen to it, and the voice particularly, and you try and get get the voice right, and that reveals so much, and then then you get under the skin of it. You, but having having that sort of surface information can then let you get right inside and underneath. How do you do that then? Do you do you listen to a recording and then repeat it and look in the mirror? How do how do you get the no, voice right? No, no, just just listen to it really, and don't no, don't look in the mirror particularly. <laughs> but um, yeah, just get get to get the voice and and uh, there was another character I played on years ago on, and he was Colonel Wintle. Um, he was a, a very eccentric man, and the, the voice was. So informative, and he had been on Desert Island Discs. He was extraordinary, but it, the voice was so informative. It, it just get that. And one of his lines was, um, "There was only one war with the Germans. It lasted thirty years with a lull in the middle while they regrouped." You see, um, no, 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 just getting him, getting <laughs> his, vo- getting his voice, the, the, yeah. and it just sort of informed the whole character. Yeah, so, and it's such a lovely voice to. Capture, you know, sort of. But what happens if 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 that person is alive and you're? Are, are you more aware then that they're going to see you being them? I don't know if I've done one. Some anyone who's actually alive, and certainly, I mean, with Lord Longford, all his family, that was respons- yes. that was a responsibility to be taking on such a you know, sort of well-known figure and his and children, grandchildren, all still very much with us. But in the end, you. You're, you're making a fiction, you know. It's yeah. the script is made up. You're not really being them. You're being a version of them from known facts. But you, you, and most of it is invented. And I, however I play it, I'm going to. It's going to look more like me than it does like them. <laughs> Although some I let the, Lord Longford, you looked extraordinarily like him. I mean, th- uh, there was good was... some good makeup and, and, and prosthetic. Chin, I think. Chin, yes, a prosthetic chin. Maybe nose as well. Was it? I can't quite remember. But um, yes, there was a lot of lot of time in makeup and weird hair. That <laughs> that helps. But we did go to a. We filmed in a lot of prisons because he was yeah. always every every week he'd go to some prisoner in the country and and we went to one prison and one of the warders was heard to say, uh, "Oh." God, I thought we'd got rid of that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> because he was obviously a pain in their sides. <laughs> but Dennis Thatcher as well, of course. You didn't you play Dennis Thatcher? Oh my yeah. God, yes, yeah, 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 yes. yeah. With, with Meryl, with Meryl, Meryl, Meryl Streep. Yes. <laughs> oh yes, that was an event. Yes, she's she's amazing. 
It was it was a slightly strange one because I was playing uh, Dennis as a figment of her imagination rather rather than being in, in sort of yeah. naturalistic. Sometimes you can really get into it and, and identify with the character and feel you're getting it to your own satisfaction anyway. But uh, Dennis was a tricky one, I think. From Just physically, I didn't feel I had that look in the same way. I thought you were fantastic. Oh, but, well. Uh, uh, Meryl, so, I mean, the people, there you are saying, talking about Meryl Streep and Dame Judy and... Uh, Oh, I, we will, we'll we'll get on to Moulin Rouge in a minute because that is my go-to. I, I think I watch it twice a year. Um, but but all of these magnificent people, they all they all say Lindsay Duncan. When I interviewed you and you were there with with Lindsay as well, they all say they all feel the same sort of people. They all there's the kindness. And do you think that's important when working on a on a film or in a theatre show and our mutual friend Sam Spira, all these people, they all just, they speak so fondly of you, I have to say. They all say that you're kind and a gentleman and you're warm and you're, it's all about making this together. Do you think that's very important? Is that the way you've always been? I think it's, a, it's the way everyone I like working with works. You know, we're, it's a, it's, such a sort of privileged job to be doing and there's no there's no time or reason to be moaning and being difficult and all, it doesn't help if you if you moan and difficult they think oh we won't we won't have him for this next job he's, 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 a, he's a bit of a moaner and, and, and so you must have worked with moaners though yeah not not too many i mean because the the, the i'm quite picky and most of the you know i think you know the people that directors I've worked with I, a lot of them I've worked with a, f a few times and it's because you think oh yeah they're good to work with and they they understand the business and they know um how to cast people who aren't difficult and so uh, generally all the work I do is it's a very happy atmosphere and very easy because we're all coming from the same place really so sometimes it uh do a job which is slightly out of my usual sort of realm, and think, oh yeah, this is a, this is a little bit trickier. I've got to work harder at this, and uh, you know, it's a little bit frustrating. And, and it does get frustrating sometimes. Filming's awful. And is it overrun, and you're hanging around? And but I'm quite good at hanging around and not getting, not driving myself mad. Some people just can't stand the hang, hanging around and waiting, but. So they get a bit grumpy, but uh, what do you do when you're hanging, having to hang around? Read crosswords, natter if there's somebody else <laughs> to hanging around with. But um, I'm quite good at that, <laughs> doing nothing. It's very interesting you say about how how lucky you are and that people shouldn't moan. I do, you know, I I I get frustrated by people who are. I mean, I'm I'm living my dream job. You're you're obviously so happy with what you do but when people just think about all the people that do the jobs that they really hate <laughs> mm. there's no there's nothing annoys me more than a moaning film star you know, somebody who has all that uh that um you know, luck really and i mean and it's hard work as well but you know to be in that position you you get praised and prizes and stroked and people looking after you and running around picking you up from home taking you back you know and 
and bringing you anything you want at any time of the day. I mean, it, there's absolutely nothing to moan about. It's a, and you get paid a lot, and then and you get prizes. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. I was watching your your Oscar speech. Oh God, I've never seen it. Thank you very much. Oh well, no, <laughs> congratulations. Um, it was very good, uh, but. Okay, this is the most. This is think of me as a six-year-old child asking this: What's it like to win an Oscar? Because we all dream of it, even if we don't want to be actors. Well, it's absolutely extraordinary. Is it? <laughs> I mean, you can't. I mean, the build-up is to, because it doesn't come out of nowhere. You get you know, the build-up comes for months, I suppose. And so, how does it start? I can't remember the sequence, but there's. The Oscars, the Baftas, and the Golden Globes, and the Golden Globes certainly came before the Oscars, and I got a Golden Globe. So, that, so, uh, so then I was suddenly much more in the frame for the Oscars when after the Golden Globes. So I suppose after the Golden Globes, it was, um, it was there was a lot more attention, and it was, and I was in LA for quite a long time doing all that that sort of press, and so it just. You, right, it's in your in your head, and <laughs> every day people do, I know, do interviews, and I think you might get it, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and so you, it's full of all that, and then, but you no, know, as as an actor, you start off from the word go. Oh, I'd like it, I'd like to get an Oscar, you know. <laughs> and, and, but so the reality of it, when it comes closer, you think, oh, God, this is extraordinary, you know. The and then to actually win an Oscar, it's Bizarre. Is it as? Is it as? It is. I mean, just think. It it seems so unlikely that something that is just a a dream, you know, sort of fantasy, silly fantasy, could actually become reality. It's it's really hard to get your head around, and and it took quite a long time. Several times a day, I think. Oh, I've got an Oscar. (laughs) I love that. Uh, That's weird. I've got an Oscar, and then. 
thank God, finally that that, that faded into the background. But it was it was a very strange thing. When you were, when you go up to make the speech, are you aware that it's you, and you're aware that you're in that moment, or is that one of those times that it's just like, whoa? <laughs> sort of aware, but I did. I forgot to mention to two of the producers. You know, <laughs> you're right, I'm sure that I'm sure they've given you now. Just about. <laughs> it becomes very important, you realise afterwards. But um, who, you, who you mention in Oscar speeches. I'm sure they've forgiven you. You can say it now if you want. Dear Robert Fox and, and Scott Rudin, I should have, should, have, should have mentioned. Oh, there we go. Now you've done it. It's yeah. fine. It's been done. Uh, the other thing that everybody always talks to you about is um, Only Fools and Horses. And there's the lovely story about... Um, they wanted you originally to be Del Boy. And I know you've you've said the story before, but it's so interesting that uh, young people today who weren't brought up on Only Fools and Horses are watching it all over again. It's a, it's as popular to a, to sort of two new generations. Mm. It's quite well, something that. It's weird. I mean, it is, I mean, it's not it's not weird because it's really quality writing and performing, you know, and and people identify. With Del Boy so and and then the, the whole relationships for all those the family relationships Rodney and Grandpa or Uncle beautifully drawn characters and contrasting and and it just they all fit so well into this comedic structure and you know you care about them and you and you laugh at them and with them all the time and it's. It's very special what John Sullivan did in putting it together. When you were in that, did you were was anybody aware that all these years later it was still going to be? Did you think that? Do you know when something's got that special touch of gold glitter? I think they did. I mean, I only went in for you know, three yeah. epi- three episodes, so, but um, you're never allowed to forget it. Never allowed <laughs> to forget it. No. And it, uh, I saw one the other day. I just. Class reunion episode. I thought, and it was on. I sort of hovered by the sofa while it was, on. and then I sat down and watched it right through. And it was oh, it was how a, lovely! And it was a, it was it was extraordinary. I mean, it's quite non PC. Some of it now, it's sort of ooh, <laughs> it's it was because it's thirty years ago. You know, and but still, it's by far the most recognition I get on the street. It's for, uh, for really and horses, yeah. Because it's interesting, I suppose you do. You know, if somebody's coming towards you, what they I don't know. You've, I, I suppose, I, you've explained that it's it's fools and horses. But, but when somebody's coming towards you, do you think, ah, oh, they're going to mention Harry Potter or they're going to mention nobody? No, nobody mentions anything generally. They just they smi- don't. the smile. Occasionally, I've been hijacked by a hen party <laughs> for um, <laughs> for uh, for Bridget Jones, whose father. <laughs> so, but. Uh, no, it's, um, Where did they take? Did they actually physically take you somewhere? It's no, no, like... no, Joe, no. They've, they've, Hen Party has been passing and spotted me, and then, oh no, it's Bridget Jones's <laughs> father. Said, this is, she's getting married tomorrow, and then can I have a photo, a selfie with her? Yeah, but um, very, very rarely do people, people just sort of smile generally. Because so I, I wonder. No, they, I don't know why they're smiling. Probably just because they're smiling because it's you, Jim. <laughs> right. Because they love all the things. Uh, let's talk about Moulin Rouge. That film is just, uh, it's, it's um, it's mad in the most beautiful way. I mean, I as I said, I, I watch it twice a year. Uh, it's my go-to. I love it. it makes me feel good. Um, 
do you have fond, extraordinary memories of that? It it, it really was. Yeah, we had a, it was a, it was a very exciting to be part of. We it was all all filmed in Fox Studios in Sydney, and so so it's going to Australia, and we and it was it's such a passionate piece of work from Baz Luhrmann's point of view. He had such a vision and he was so excited and exciting. Um, so we we went out to Sydney f- for a month's rehearsal, a lot of reading of the script and working on the workshopping the script a bit, but mainly doing you know, rehearsing the dancing and the singing and the, all that. Then came up and then I came home and sort of Ewan and I were the main Brit-based one, so we came home for a month or so, and then went out and filmed it. But it was—he was Baz had such a strong vision for it all, and he was so excited, and and it was a thrill, you know. And it was colourful, and it was strong, and we were dancing and singing every day. I was quite a challenge for both of those departments. <laughs> I mean, I did say I'm not really a singer, Baz. I'm not or a dancer. Oh no, we can we can work around that. We can work with that. And they obviously, so they did. And so I sang a lot. And it was fantastic. It was a real group. So the the whole group of the, the bohos, you know, with uh, Ewan and Nicole and all of us. And it was a so in that rehearsal we bonded a lot. So it's a great. It's a great group feeling. It was a very quite. I mean, it was a theatrical event mm. in a way. It felt very as, as if we were part of a theatre company as much as a, a film company. See, uh, I'm I'm so pleased to hear that because watching it, it, it that's what you. I think as a, as an audience member, you want to hear that. I when you talk about what you do, and it's wonderful to be face to face seeing you because when you talk about it. Your eyes light up about each time you talk about all of the different jobs you've done, and I know you use the word lucky. I use the word lucky. Um, I'm lucky that I'm lucky that I'm born when I was born and was a, a white male. You know that's luck. You know, you know, <laughs> you know it was privileged from the word go. Really, but, uh, anyway, sorry. I no, 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 you. no. Please, that's what I want. Exactly what I want to hear. That you. I, I get the feeling that you're you feel that you're incredibly lucky, but also that you really love what you do, don't you? Mm. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and it's a uh, and and it's it's part of you know, being in a position to choose. You can choose things that you really appeal from the word go. Leaving drama school, always, always had a sort of right. I will do a job if it's going to teach me something I, I've never done before, you know, or a character I've never done before, or a, a working in a, an area or never done before, a big theatre, a small theatre, film, a big film, a small film, it, to just broaden my experience all the time. So I get a huge range of things, characters that comes my way. It's not it's not always the same thing. So I, I can find things that are, are going to entertain me. And I think, you know, I've got to enjoy it if I want other people to enjoy what I'm doing. It's it's really, it's much easier to uh, do it if, I'm, if, if I love it too. You know. Do you say no? I do say no quite a lot. Yeah, it's the, sort of the strongest thing you've got in your armoury, really, to think, no, I won't go down that route. You can't always choose which route. You can't say, I, I want to go down that route, but you can say, I won't go down that one. <laughs> you so you have very... Um 
strong political beliefs and and obviously got uh, got that from you, from your parents uh, is it would you say no to something that you i mean could, I, I get the feeling obviously with the duke it's very much you just as passionate as he is about about um old people having free tv licenses and things the way you talked about it i might be i hope i'm not putting words into your mouth but but would you would you not do a role if you felt no this is against everything i believe in politically and fundamentally i would think so it wouldn't no i'd probably think no i don't like this script it doesn't really work for me i don't under, i don't understand it i don't know how i could make this real or no acting's only <laughs> about making it sound it's a false thing but you've got to make it sound real and if you think i can't make this I don't know how I could make this real, really. So that might be for all sorts of reasons, you know. Like maybe I don't wouldn't believe in it, or just the writing doesn't sound as if it's playable. <laughs> I've been one or two occasions where I thought, oh no, I don't like this. This is a politically alienating to me. One or two things where the the violence was so extreme, I thought, oh, I'm quite uncomfortable. <laughs> Sometimes that's necessary you know part of a good script do you, do you ever think what would roy your dad what what would he think if i did that does that ever come into your head he'd he'd, he'd love my career <laughs> oh that's <laughs> he'd, wonderful he'd, he'd, have, he'd have been very proud of it i'm sure and, and it's his idea you know? yeah. <laughs> and you know and him having been a, he'd love to have been an actor, I think, really. Do you think he would have loved the Duke? God, he'd have, he really would, yeah. yeah. He'd have adored it, yeah. As I do. Uh, I'm not your father, but I love it. <laughs> um, uh, you're also a graphic novelist now. Well, I wrote a film script years ago called Dull Margaret about a sort of witch woman who lived on the marshes. And I was going to play Margaret, was, was the initial idea. And I couldn't get anyone to fund it, really. We've got people, got creatives interested in doing it, you know, the directors and designers. and But um, couldn't get anyone to fund it. So, And I got too old to play Margaret, was splashing around in cold water. Um, so it sort of went on the back burner for a bit. And then I thought there was this cartoonist I'd seen in The Guardian called Dix and I loved his work and I thought I wonder if I could, I could email if I get his email and send it to him and with the idea of making a graphic novel and introduce myself and uh, I did and we got on famously and he uh, leapt at it and we and he started sending me pictures of his uh, ideas he had for Margaret and her world he'd, he'd do it about his working hours was about three in the morning, so I'd get up and in, in the morning, and it would be on my fax machine, or, or was it a fax then? I can't quite remember. Anyway, there would be or emails were stacks of these different images for Margaret, and there was a there was a really exciting time, and he did he captured my vision of Margaret beautifully, really. Any more dull Margarets around? No, no, that no? was a, that was a one-off. I think I'd, uh, when I'm not acting, I would find some creative outlet, and sometimes it's been writing, and some sometimes it's more now more latterly it's been sort of sculptural, cre- creative work. More going back into the art, art. Oh goodness me! So what do you what do you work with? Um, all sorts of different materials, and it's it's making 
making characters really in uh, in in a, in a um, sometimes wood carving in wood and um, and and then modeling in clay or modeling in this stuff called sculpey which is like plasticine but you can bake it hard and paint it and it's a, so just all sorts of different but they're, all, they're always people they're they're just different <laughs> different extreme characters oh i love that where did, so where do you do, do you do it at home or have you got a studio got a, a studio space in west london yeah which i can go in and do a bit how wonderful and my wife's got she's a painter and she yeah. has a studio space in the same building so so i've, I've sort of climbed in there you, so while she's busy painting, you're in the corner with your, what's it called, Down, the plasticine uh, stuff? It's called Sculpey. Sculpey. Uh, I quite like the sound of that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And you it can just fun. Eat, And then you just bake it in the oven for half an hour and it's rock hard. And then you can paint it and chisel it or whatever you want to do with it. So we're going to be having an, seeing an exhibition of your work soon? Well, I'll, I'll, there's been a, I've shown a bit of it in open studios once, and I've got, and then eventually I'll, I've, I mean, I've got quite a stack of stuff now. I'll have to show it properly at some stage. Oh, do well, you say you, you say that you like to do things that you learn new things or you're pushing yourself. That's that's the next thing. That. Uses up my creative energy when I've not got any acting I want to do. But I can imagine that you don't have much downtime because I, I suppose it's nothing to do with you, of course, but how that's scheduled. So how things come out. And I know you did film, you, you filmed The Duke a while ago now because it because of COVID, yeah, it had yeah. to be held back and held back. And you, it was um, Venice as well, wasn't it? Yeah, the first show? We filmed it just, we filmed it just before lockdown. So that was... Finished filming in February 20, 2020, yeah. Yeah. In March, I think, March 2020. So we finished filming just before lockdown and then and we opened up and went to Venice and it was a huge, just Roger and I went to Venice and Nicky Bentham, the producer, and it had a great success in Venice and then opening was delayed and delayed, which is, which is very sad, really. It's a... Roger died before we had a proper opening. He, he went to Telluride with, uh, with, and with Helen. Mirren. They were in Telluride together. I couldn't go because of COVID and another job coming up. But uh, and that was successful there as well. So he got a taste of how we, we knew how popular it was going to be. So and he died suddenly. You know, so. Yeah, like I said, it's just awful, just awful. I'm so sorry. I know that it's very hard for you to talk to talk about that because I know how close you were. But um, as I said, he'll be watching down. It, it is it is a, a beautiful film, I, and and I I, I honestly I, I want to now go and watch it for the third time because just talking about it again, I th I think it's it, it's something very very special. So thank you, thank you for bringing us that film. Thank you for bringing me that man because I didn't know anything about it. I mean, before I was born and now I just keep reading everything I can. Um, so thank you for that. But also, uh, we always ask everybody in this podcast what makes you belly laugh. But I, I wonder, are you, are, you, are you a giggler? I get the feeling that you're very, you like to sit back, you watch everything going on. But I sort of imagine that, that there are times when you, I can see it in your eye when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so sometimes it's the most delicious experience is when you you're laughing and you just can't stop, and and you and you you're out of control with laughter. And it doesn't happen as much as it used to, I suppose, as you get old. But it, 
it, it does st- still happens occasionally, and it's a, it's a delight. And there's a friend of mine, Patrick Barlow, and we were the, we were the National Theatre of Brent a long time ago now, thirty years ago. But we used to do create plays together, which became it was quite cult and popular at the time. And then big epic dramas, the Bible or whatever, just performed by two inadequate men, and which is Patrick was the. Uh, driving force but but working on those shows sometimes we would be weeping with laughter with our director martin duncan and we would just be just hold up rehearsals for about half an hour while we just laughed and it was it's still one of the, the most glorious glorious memories i have you know what jim you you just bring so much joy through all of the films but each time I've met you, I think you really are somebody so incredibly special. So thank you so much. And when you just talked about that laughter, you had that twinkle in your eye. And may it carry on forever, Jim. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up on the next episode of the podcast, I'm going to be chatting with TV star, all-round fabulous actress, Jill Halfpenny. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thanks so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much. <laughs>